0: Thank you, Pastor Thomas. Good evening, church. Good evening, church. All right, how are you today? Good, had a good dinner? Good dinner, huh? All right, after your physical food, now we have spiritual food. All right, now, just now I was just listening to Pastor Thomas' announcement about the Gautong Royong. right, this is the first time... In my life, I I heard of something that you can get prizes after your gotong royong. I don't know what kind of prizes, but I'm sure it's going to be very good prizes. Amen? Amen? Come, alright. Those who win, you will get prizes. Those who didn't win, you can still take back the sampah. Alright. Now, I want to start by asking you a question. How many of you have heard of the Momo Challenge? Raise your hands. You have heard of the Momo Challenge, you know, somewhere, you know, online. All right, thank you. Uh, Recently, the Momo Challenge has gone viral on social media, alleged to target children and youth. Now, Momo is described as a social media suicide challenge, all right? And uh, it features an avatar of a woman with dark hair pale skin and oversized eyes, all right? And will send children and youth images and instruction on how to harm themselves and others. This is what will happen. Momo will instruct you online to tell you to engage in some odd uh, activities like waking up at night or overcoming a certain fear. And the children will have to just firm themselves doing these activities and send it back to Momo. And if they are successful, then Momo will encourage you to partake in even more dangerous activities and that will involve self-harm and eventually uh, leading to suicide. Eventually leading to suicide. It, it was a global, global phenomenon and the schools and the authorities began to get panicked and they issue stern warnings to parents and to the educators. As a result of that, you know, all parents around the world, they started to get fearful. They started to get panicked and some has even gone hysterical. They banned their children from almost anything from the social media so that they will not get in touch with Momo. However... A few days later, a few, uh, maybe one week later, there were reports that this Momo is actually fake. It is an internet hoax. It is a form of an internet bully. And there was no factual evidences that link Momo to the claims of self-harm and suicide. The Momo avatar that we saw is actually a statue that is made by a Japanese artist who works with the Japanese special effect company called the Link Factory. The statue itself is called the Mother Bird. Well, this Momo Challenge has been elevated to this global phenomenon, not because of the stories shared by the victim themselves, but by the worried adults, the worried parents who try to protect their children. Now, the issue I want to address here this evening is not whether this Momo is real or is an internet hoax. The real issue that we want to talk about here is that are the parents equipped to reach out and to teach the children and the youth, especially in this internet age? Now, in 2017, it was the blue whale, and now it is the Momo. And I want to tell you, there will be always something else next. It could be Mimi, Mumu, or Mama. I don't know. But the question is, are the parents equipped? Are the parents equipped to talk to your children, to talk to your youth regarding internet safety? Are the parents equipped to have meaningful conversation regularly with their children about the apps and the games and the potential risks that they can and will be exposed to. You see, we as parents, as educators, as leaders, we should and must be equipped to reach out to the next generation so that they will be wise and vigilant in this internet world. Amen? But likewise, when we talk about the family, we talk about the church family, do you think that the church, all of us, must also be equipped to grow and mature in spiritual sense. Grow and mature in the Lord. Are we equipped for the works of ministry? Are we equipped to be the salt and the light of the world? We talk about the, the, the parents being equipped, but we as God's people, as the church, are we equipped? And that brings us to the third value of the church that we learned this year, that is equipping and empowering. Two weeks ago, Pastor Jessalyn reminded us that we are not safe just to go to heaven. Heaven is not our goal. Heaven is our destination. And God's goal for us is that we will grow into spiritual maturity and to become Like Christ. But how exactly do we grow? Let us look to the Bible, right? Let's look to the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 16. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 16. Now, shall we read that together? Ready? One, two, go. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers, to equip his people for works of service, so that the people of the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the whole mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. Each, each part does its work. Let us pray. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to us through your word and through your servant. Help us, O oh Lord, to understand and to lift up your work for the glory of your name. We commit this time to you. In Jesus' name we ask and we pray. Amen. Now, let, we have read Ephesians, all right, chapter 4, verse 11, all the way to verse 16. Now, let us just unpack this verse one by one. All right, now, first, let us look at verse 11. Now, what does verse 11 tell us? Verse 11 tells us that Christ, Jesus Christ, gave these people, all right, gave these people, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. This is what's commonly known as the five-fold ministry Are uh, the people in church, all right? These are the leaders in church. So, verse 11 tells us, Jesus Christ gave us five-fold ministry. They are the gifts that Jesus gave to the church. And these gifts mentioned are in this passage they are in the form of these people, all right? The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, understand? All right, Easy. Christ gave these people, and the question is, Christ gave these people to do what? To do what? Verse 12, right? Verse 12 says, Christ gave us these people to equip. All right, to equip. That's the word here, to equip. Now, when I talk about equip, when I say the word equip, what comes to your mind? When I say equip, what comes to your mind? A simple check on the online dictionary tells us the word equip can be defined as to provide a person or a place with objects that are necessary for a particular purpose, right? That's the meaning of equip. Okay, so let's just go, huh? Christ gave this group of people to the church to do what? To equip, all right? To equip. And then now the next question, to equip who? To equip who? To equip, in verse 12, to equip his people, right? To equip his people. Who, who is his people? Who are his people? All of us, right? We are all God's people, right? You and I. So all of us are to be equipped. And lastly, equipped for What? Equip for what? Equip for the works of service. Equip for the works of service. So in short, we find that Christ gave this group of people to do what? To equip. To equip who? To equip His people, God's people, and equip them to do what? Equip them for works of service. Understand? Up to that part. All right, so now we, 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 we know that God has, Jesus Christ has given us, us that and to equip us for the works of service. Now, what then is the works of service? What then is the work of service? Today, there are many expressions, all right, of the work of service, but today I'm just going to uh, quickly give you two, two examples of this work of service, all right, and that we all need to be equipped with. Okay, the first one will be Word, all right? Equipped with the Word, all right? So let's move on to verse 15. Verse 15 here, it says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Now, I want you to pay attention at this verse here, this phrase here, says, speaking the truth. Now, what is the truth? What is truth? Where do you find the truth? The truth is found in the, in the Word of God. The truth is found in, in the Bible. Right? And so all of us needs to be equipped with the Word. How can we speak the truth when we don't even know the truth? How can we speak the truth if we are not equipped to know the truth? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16-17 tells us that all Scripture is God-breathed and it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, if the Scripture, if all Scripture is God-breathed, it's got brief and it is useful then my question to all of us here is are we equipping ourselves with the Word of God are we making it a priority to read to understand and to apply the Word of God in our life you no know, once in a, in a in a youth group and I, I asked the youth I want to find out, you know, uh, what, what kind of Bible version that they read. You know, I want to teach them the different version in the Bible. So it's like, oh, you know, what kind of version you read? Can I just shout out the version? So I have one, you know, raise up my hand. So I read the NIV. It's like, oh, very good. Then another one will say, I read the NKJV. Wow, very good. Another one will say, I read the, the, the ESV. N-A-S-V. Wow, very good. And all the answers, and suddenly there's one person says, I, there is, I read the N-R-V. NRV. I, I paused for a moment. It's like, what is NRV? I've never heard in my entire life in the seminary. Uh, I've never heard. I kind of crossed this version of the Bible called NRV. So I, I stopped and I said, okay, what is NRV? It says NRV is called Never Read Version. <laughs> never Read Version. And it's true, all right, that many people, not just the young people, but even adults, we do not read the Bible. We are not equipped to learn, to know the Bible, to learn the Word of God. And when we do not carefully and intentionally read and apply the Word of God in our life, then we will not be able to grow and mature spiritually. And not only that, if we are not careful, if if we are not equipped to know the Word of God, I tell you, very easily we will be misled by the false prophets very easily will be misled with the wrong doctrines or sometimes we could be misled to quote the bible out of the context i just want to pause for a moment and talk about this quoting the bible out of context because you know it's something that i i i myself have done it and uh, i i must you know apologize for, for doing that for failing to equip myself with the Word of God. And I, I just want to give you one example, right? Something that i uh, a word that i always used. Okay? Now, let's look at Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. Now, if you have a Bible, uh, I ask you now, it's, a, it's time for you to open your Bible to Matthew, right? The first book of the Gospel and turn to verse 18. I'm oh, sorry, chapter 18, verse 20. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, right? If you have your apps, it's all right, just switch it on. Uh, Go to Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. Now, we're going to do a little, uh, I'm going to show you a little example of how we can take a verse out of context. It's very dangerous, church. You see, when we just pluck one verse out of it and then we just use it. Now, what does it say? Right, what does it say? Come on, let's just say, it says here, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. I'm there in the midst of them. And another person says, For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Now this is a very familiar verse. Now how many of you, you you read this verse before? All right, raise your hands, come on. You read this verse, very good, very good. Now, how many of you have used this word before? Now, you have prayed or you have said something similar to that in your prayer, in your, in your, in your meetings or, or whatever. Come on, raise your hands. You know, I, I, my hands are raised because I've done that. I've done that in cell group, I've done that in church, I've done that in service. You know, I've said, oh God, when two or three are gathered, you know, here you will be in our midst and then we claim your presence, you know, that kind of thing. Now I've said that before and until I spend time to read the Bible and to understand, then I find that I took this out of the context. This is not what it actually means. But before we go there, let me just ask you a few questions, All right? It says here when two or three are gathered, then I will be with them. When two or three are gathered. Now, then what about four or five are gathered. Will Jesus still be with them? Because it says here when two or three are gathered, how about four or five? How about six or seven? Will Jesus still be in their midst? Or what about just one of us praying? What about just you alone praying? Will Jesus be in our midst? I mean, isn't Jesus already present in each and every of us, individual believer, as we pray? So even if one Christian pray, isn't Jesus already there? Now, if you ask yourself this question, then you understand that we have taken this quote out of, I mean, this this verse out of context. Now, to understand exactly what Jesus meant in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, we have to look at the context. All right, which include the, the verses that surround the passages. We have to look at the passage before and after. And we have to look at the background of the book, uh, the author and the original audience. Now let me just, just teach you a little bit. This is a simple one, okay? Because we're talking about Matthew 18. Now let's look at Matthew 18. Now those who have your Bible or your online, your apps, right? Look at Matthew 18. Okay? Go, go to look at Matthew 18. Look at that sub-chapter. In each sub-chapter, there is a... A verse, there is a small heading there. Alright, do you find a small heading? Alright, now that can help us to understand. Okay, what is that heading about? What is Matthew 18 about? Read it out. It's about dealing with sin in, in the church. Alright, some verses, some version says it's about uh, dealing with sin in church. Some version will say if a brother sins, against you, right? Is a brother sins against you. This is what this passage is all about. It's not about prayer. It's not about when two or three come together in prayer or two or three come together together in, in, in a church, then Jesus will be there. This passage is about church discipline. It's about church discipline. It's about, you know, when a brother sins against you. Now, Matthew Smith the managing director uh, editor for the Gospel Coalition he points out he says in Matthew chapter 18 verse 20 Jesus was employing the ancient Jewish principle for testifying in court all right in the olden days when they need to testify in court they two or three needs to agree with one another all right, two or three must agree with one another. So he's applying it here in terms of correcting a brother, in terms of disciplining a, 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 brother, of, a, a, of a brother of sin. Two or three must come together in his name. When two or three or even 3,000, they get together, they agree that they all believe in Jesus, then his authority is present and they as a church can exercise the discipline. Wow. You see, church is not about when two or three are gathered, then God will be here. It's about church discipline. When two or three agree with, that they all believe in the same Jesus and agree, then we have the right to exercise the, the, sin, the, the church discipline to that brother. But it doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't hear our prayer when we pray alone. It doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't hear our prayer when we pray two or three. But what I'm trying to point is that, you know, this verse, this particular verse is not talking about His presence in prayer. It's not talking about His presence in a particular service, but it's talking about His presence in the church discipline. Understand? Right? Now, you see, this is, this is the reason why we must be equipped to know the Word of God. If we are not equipped to know the Word of God, then we will simply just pluck this and pluck that and then we will be misled or used the words out of the context, out of this original meaning. Let me give you another reason why we should be equipped. Why we should be equipped with the Word of God. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 tells us, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that you have. Now, how can you be prepared if you are not equipped with the Word of God? How can you and I be prepared if we are not equipped to know the Word of God? You know, early years of my ministry as a pastor, I remember, I, 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 I was approached by a man in his early, you know, in the mid-30s. Of, when, and look at his face. I know he's, he's from another race, another religion, another faith, right? So he I met him at the palm string. He introduced himself and said, Can I talk to you? I have some question to ask you. So I said, okay, you know, the young me, I said, okay, so we went to to a site, we sat down, and he he told me, you know, okay, he told me that I have a question for you. Is Jesus God? Is Jesus God? Now, church, I asked you, is Jesus God? Yes or no? Yes, I said, Oh yes, Jesus is God. And then he looked at me and said, very good. Now, can you tell me where in the Bible that says Jesus is God? Where is the Bible? You find me a verse that says Jesus is God or that Jesus claimed that He is God. And then he says, if you can find me, I will become a Christian. Whoa. I wished I could tell you that that night, I gave him a full exegesis of who Jesus is. I gave him the full understanding of the deity of Jesus. But I tell you honestly, that night, I on, only managed to fumble my way through. I didn't, Sometimes I didn't even know what I was telling him. I wanted to tell him, explain to him who is this Isa El Massey?" But I couldn't find the, 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 the right to say. I do not know whether I convinced him but what I know is that after that night, I didn't see that man again. That I've never seen this man again after that night. You see church, it is so important that you and I be equipped with the word of God to always be prepared to answer everyone who asked It could be just a stranger in the church. It could be your children. It could be your loved ones. It could be your community. Or it could be anyone that God plays you. But whenever they ask, are you equipped with the Word of God to answer? You know, church, I cannot just overemphasize about the seriousness and the importance of being equipped with the Word of God. You see, if we are not rooted in the Word of God, we will be like what is described in verse 14. We will be tossed back and forth by the waves. We will be blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and the craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Now, this is very dear to me because in my years of ministry, I have seen many, many youth, young adults, people, who have walked away from their faith because they are not equipped, because they are not rooted in the Word of God. Whenever they graduate or they enter into another stage of life, whenever they face any problems, any issue, or whenever they are challenged by their peers or by their professors and lecturers in their universities, you know, they are like this, like tossed back and forth thrown here and there by every wind. I tell you, some, they made it, they continue to hold strong to their faith. But there are also many who, who left their faith, who does not attend church anymore, who does not want to do, have anything to do with the church. Why? It's because they are not rooted And they're equipped with the Word of God. So therefore, I'll tell you, the very important, the most important equipping is that we must be equipped with the Word of God. Amen? It's not just for the youth, for the young people, but it's for every person and in every stages of life. It is important to be equipped with the Word. Amen? And that leads us to the second part of this sermon. First is to be equipped with the Word, and the second will be to equip with the works. All right? The Word and the works of service. Now, you see, after you have been equipped with the Word, after you have been equipped with the truth, you will know the truth, you will apply the truth, you will live the truth out in your life, and then you will realize that you need to be equipped for the works of service. It will come automatically. After you be equipped by the Word, you will know that you want to be equipped for the works. Why? Because in the Word of God, we are told that we are to be his ambassadors. In the word of God, we are told that we are sent out to our communities, to our school, colleges, workplace, uh, factories, communities to be the, the, the Christ, to represent Jesus Christ and to share about God's love to the communities that God places in and how do we do that if we are not equipped that is why the second point is we must be equipped for the works of service how can we be effectively represent christ in the world if we are not equipped to do so have you heard of these few statements you know, when people come to church and say, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really quite happy to come to PCC and be fed by my pastor. I'm really happy, you know. And I appreciate what he does. I appreciate his ministry. And I'm glad to assist him in any way that I can. You yeah, heard that before? You sound, sound familiar? All right, somebody told you, you have talked to somebody about this. But I want to ask you, and I want to encourage you, do not forget who you are. Because the Bible tells us that you are a minister of Jesus Christ. You are also a minister of Jesus Christ. You are the holy priest. You are the ambassador of Christ. You are the agent of reconciliation. You are the salt. You are the light. You are the yeast. Church, I want to tell you tonight that you cannot assist your pastor. His job is to assist you in your ministry. I say that again. You cannot assist your pastor, but your pastor's job is to assist you in the ministry. Now, you don't look very convinced, all right? Now, let's revisit the verse 11 again, all right? Let's revisit verse 11. Here it says, Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelistic the and the pastors, and the teachers to do what? to equip his people for works of service. Now, I didn't say that. The Bible says that. Christ gave pastors to equip the people for the works of service. God gave pastors not to do the work of service, but to equip the people to equip God's people for service. Do do you get it? Right? Do you get it? But very often, we turn that around. All right? We turn that around. We think that the pastor is the one who has to do everything. No. Equipping is is like a team model. All right? They have those who do equipping. right? Those the pastors, the leaders, the apostles, and those who are being equipped. But one group needs another. All right, one group did the other and we form a team. But like what I have said, most often than not, you know, we, we, we get the wrong idea. Uh, we think that it's the pastor's job solely to do the work of the service. And the rest of us, our job is to just pray, pay and obey. No, 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 it's not, it's not like that, all right? It's not like that, right? Uh It is our job to everyone's job as the body of christ right to serve to be equipped in the works of service if not then you will find situation like oh you know um you know oh my my uh my my friend wants to know about jesus christ wait 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 wait. i'll ask my pastor to come and talk to you i'll ask my pastor to come and, and and lead you to christ have you heard this this statement before Right? Oh, oh, my colleagues is going through some 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 marital problems. Uh. Yeah, let me schedule an appointment uh, with, with with her and my pastor. Oh, my cousin needs some encouragement. I will send my pastor over. You know, my goldfish die, you know, my goldfish, all kinds of things, uh. we all of these things. Call the pastors. Eventually, we ask our pastors to do anything and everything. Why? Because we do not understand that it is all of our responsibility as God's people to do the works of service, to reach out to minister and to represent Christ in the world. And what is our role as a pastor? Our role is to train. Our role is to equip you and then to send you out to the world so that you can live and represent Christ. I tell you, if we fully understand this truth, and we understand and live out this truth, the whole DNA of the church will be changed. The whole church will be transformed because we will have the whole body of Christ, you know, living effectively as God's agent in the world. Amen? And, And this is God's word. This is God's word to us. And i tell you it's feasible you know why because a pastor cannot do things that you can do as a pastor even as a youth pastor i cannot simply walk into any schools go into any class sit down and chit chat with any teenagers that i like i cannot walk into any factories go into any offices and sit down in any cubicles and talk to any young adults or adults that I like. I cannot do that. I will be chased away before even I, I enter the main entrance. Only you, all of you seated here, only you, God's chosen people, that God has chosen you and placed you in that particular school, college, factories, offices, communities, God has placed you there, that you have that opportunity to minister. You have the opportunity to represent Christ. You have the opportunity to share Christ to the people around you. I cannot do that. You can do that. That's why our job is to equip you. Our job is to train you so that you can be effective. So that you can be effective. Church, I want you to remember that church is not like a bus with one busy driver and many drowsy passengers. Only one driver, you know, and then the rest of them sit down. But the church should be more like a body with all members active, essential, important, and all members serving one another. Amen? Amen? Therefore, in PCC, it is our aim it's our goal that we will equip, we will equip all of God's people so that we can release them back into the world that they are where they are grounded in truth and in community. It is very important that we, all of us, are equipped for the works of ministry. Right? Looking back in my own life as a new believer, when I first came into PCC as a young teenager, growing step by step, stages by stages, until I become a pastor today, I can recall the numbers, the many people who came alongside to equip me, to teach me, in the works of service, in the works of ministry. When I first started to serve as an intern pastor in, in this church, I thought that I knew everything. But you know what? I found out that I don't know anything. And I failed at everything. And there's a point of time that I got so sad, so disappointed with myself. But it was the people who came to me to equip me? All these years, and I look, you know, Pastor Lydia is one of them who equipped me, and she always teach me how to be a servant leader in the area of leadership. Pastor Lydia will teach me how to lead the people, how to deal with people. Pastor Chai B will equip me with how to relate to the children, to the young people whenever I have issue with the children or or any issue with with teenagers where I do not know, she will come and she will teach me, she will equip me. You know, uh, Pastor Thomas always equip me with with the tools, how to plan for events, how to make them successful. Many times when I do not know how to plan, what to do, I will go to him and he will tell me, okay, this is what you got to do first, this is what you got to do second, this is what you do third. You know, where did I learn all these things? It's all of these pastors who came alongside to equip me, to equip me. And and Pastor Jaslyn, oh, Pastor Jaslyn, you know what, what she equips me? Uh, she equips me in how to deal with the dead people and the family. You know, as a young minister, I, I do not know what to do, All right. She, she is the... I always see her as the funeral pastor, All right? In fact, even right now as I preach, she is in the GH, you know, ministering to, to uh, 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 someone who has just passed away and the family members, right? Right now in, in GH. Now, I, I remember as, when I was young, I... Um, I do not know what to do when it comes to funeral. I did not know what to do with, with when it comes to when people die. I remember one night I was called uh, because one of my member, you know, his, her father passed away. It's 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. I went to GH and, and, and I did not know. I just tell them this name and they just they go to the bed and, and, you know, the curtains were drawn. I thought all the families were inside. So I just walked in inside. And then I realized that I was the only one with the dead body. And then all the nurses, they, 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 they are not there. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. It's like, oh, no, what should I do? And, and I remember it was Pastor Jeslyn who brought me, you know, brought me along to the different uh, funerals, you know, and she will teach me, okay, Wilson, this is what you need to do. Okay, this is what you need to do. This is what you do. This is how you comfort. This is how you talk to people. This is how you pray. These are the people who came alongside to, to, to equip me for the works of. Ministry. I, there are many people whom I don't have the time to name one by one, but I want to tell you there are many people who came alongside and even preaching. Even preaching, you know, Pastor Isaac. Pastor Isaac always will have the time to, to read through, to give me the tools of how to prepare a sermon. And every time when I finish preparing a sermon, he will take time to read through and give me some suggestion on how to improve so that I can serve so I can preach well and not just only him you know there are many people many in terms of sermon itself you know sermon itself. there are many people who came alongside I just want to say just uh, just this sermon alone you know yesterday night when I was struggling to prepare this sermon all right I have I've counted there are four pastors who called me, talked to me on the phone, some prayed for me, some gave me some ideas, some gave me some suggestions how to come about with the sermon, you know, some will tell me, okay, uh, different, different examples, illustration, and I have, I have, some young adults who keep on messaging me with with the the different interpretation of the verses. I have young adults who, who brought books from me from the seminary so that I can read more. There are people who prayed for me. Now, these are all people who came to equip me just for one sermon. And I want to tell you, all these years, they have been doing the same. I am who I am today is because of these people that came alongside, that equipped me so that I can preach the sermon to all of you. You see, church, it's very important. It's not just to equip me, but to equip all of us here, all of us seated here, because you are also God's people. You are also God's holy priest. And now it's the church's responsibility to equip you, to equip you for the service. That is why in PCC, we have a track team that offers different classes, workshops, talks, courses, and areas in the Bibles, the skills and character. The question is that are you willing to be equipped? Are you willing to be equipped and lastly, as we end, I want to ask, what is the ultimate goal of this equipping? What is the ultimate goal of this equipping? And we can find this in verse 12 and verse 13. The ultimate goal is so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of of Christ, That is the ultimate goal. Church, God calls each and every one of us to serve the body of Christ so that the body of Christ will be built out and so that you and I can be mature. Right? We say that, yes, I want to be mature spiritually. I want to be mature spiritually. But how? How? First is by being equipped with the Word. Second is by being equipped to do the works of ministry. You see, you will not be mature in Christ without serving others. We need one another. You cannot be mature in Christ without the ministry of others. We are saved to serve and it's only that we serve one another, each other, in the body of Christ that we all reach this unity as we close we come back to the to the Momo challenge which I I I mentioned earlier in the sermon I asked are the parents equipped to reach out to the next generation so that they will be vigilant and wise in their online world today after this sermon I'm going to ask all of us seated here God's holy people are we equipped with the word of God so that you will know the truth speak the truth and live the truth that no matter what comes your way whether trials challenges events doubts questions when they come your way Are you rooted enough in the Word of God? Are you rooted enough to know your identity in Him? Are you rooted enough to stand against all trials and temptations? Church, we need to be equipped with the Word of God. Second question is, are you equipped so that you can be an effective Christian wherever God sends you to? Are you equipped so that you can serve one another, so that you can be a successful, effective representative of God, of Jesus Christ to those that God has placed around you? Church, let's just take this time to ask ourselves. Let's take this time to question ourselves. Are we equipped? Are we equipped? Hallelujah Hallelujah Speak to us Holy Spirit Speak to us Help us to recognize Oh God The importance of being equipped It ain't your word and the works Lord, we will be an effective representative of you in the world so that the church may be built up, the body of Christ may be built up and we will be mature as we serve one another. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. Help us, O oh God, with the desire to want to be equipped and also the determination to follow through, to allow ourselves to go through this equipping. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.